Um, I think I've only been in DC for a little over seven years, but I've already been amazed that someone I randomly met at a coffee shop or randomly had a conversation with at church, et cetera. You exchange business cards because that's what people in DC do. And they re come up in your life in a way you never expected, you know, five years down the road. And I've had a number of people who've been able to, to help me not only find a job, but give me advice in a career or something that I met in instances where I wasn't even going with the intent of networking. Um, it was all just about building relationships. And I think that's valuable, not only in your career, but just in um, having a better life in general. Yeah, and I, just to piggyback on what Stephanie said, I mean, I think there are two parts of your question, Ben. One is, what is, what is good networking? And I think that was one of the hardest lessons for me to learn early on, because in my heart of hearts, I'm an introvert. So it's not easy for me to just kind of like throw myself into this very social scene and strike up conversations with with strangers um, but I think if you think of networking as as um, trying to find a friend or trying to find um, someone that you share particular interests with and that you would enjoy being around um, not seeking out somebody for the sake of asking what can that person give me um, but rather what kind of joint relationship can we have together that that is enjoyable um, so for me like I love to I love to cook. I love to barbecue. And um, so I love to invite people over to our house to, to kind of break bread. And um, that's a very kind of easy setting to diffuse and all the like the stilted small talk. Um, and it's a great way to kind of find out what what are those interests that you might share with somebody else. Um, and then the second part of your question is why why consider networking while you're still a student? Um, and why not just start when you become a professional? I mean, I think one big reason to think about that now is um, a lot of the people that you're taking classes with um, and walking campus with um, aren't just going to disappear from your life. Um, you may, you're still going to have their phone numbers in your phone five or 10 years down the road, and you might get a call from them um, five or 10 years down the road when, um, you know, in my case, they have a legal question and you're the first person that comes to their mind because they remember that you were the classmate, you went to law school, and so you might have some insight into uh, something that, um, that they're concerned with. And so I would just think about, um, you know, establishing those kinds of good relationships early on um, with a view to um, perhaps returning back to those relationships down the road, even if you don't always stay in close contact with those people. Um, I, for a second, everything that Stephanie and Ben just said, and I think it can feel manipulative if you call networking networking and you're thinking of it just as, you know, okay, what can I gain? Or is this person going to offer me a referral? Um, but I think if you go into it with this mindset of what can I learn? And so sure, you are still gaining something, but you're without the expectation of, I guess, something specific, what's going to come out of that interaction with the person. So just coming in with an open mind and maybe you go in to talk to them about law, like Ben said, or because he has something specific or specific topic, but then with this open mind of, okay, well, let's see what else happens. Then you could come across something else like, oh, we both love to bake, or they're also into yoga, or they have really um, great, points of why moving to a certain city is a good idea or what can actually be really hard about that. And so coming in with a, 
this mindset of, okay, I'm here to learn is I think really important. But then I also think it's really key to start doing this now because this is a skill that you're going to use for the rest of your life, whether it's in your career or outside of your career. I mean, if you think about it, just making friends in a new town, that's a form of networking. (laughs) And I also think that, and I'm sure that these students have heard this a lot, but um, just that saying of you're never going to have as much time as you do right now. And I remember being a college student and hating that. I hated hearing that so much because I thought, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't have any time. Um, but it's, I mean, it's really true because it just, I mean, I mean you'll see when you kiss <laughs> when you leave college, but especially now uh, we are living in this pandemic. And so I think so many of us have significantly more time on our hands. Um, and so really using this time to do something that you wouldn't necessarily have as much time to do if you were in classes, you know, four hours a week or doing that internship eight hours a day. Um, And that also, I guess, thinking about what else can I be learning right now and that networking and even just the, I guess, art of networking is something that I think is a really good way to harness your time in this season. And it's certainly not about what you're always getting you might meet somebody and be in a position to give them something like oh you're in this business let me introduce you to so and so that i already know and that that helps build that credibility and also that relationship that we talked about because i think a lot of students worry that it's just this manipulative process that i find these people to give me some kind of benefit when really what you're doing is trying to expand that relational network that you that you have some of those relationships might give you a benefit at some point Others may not, but it's still a beneficial kind of way to go about it. Um, how would you approach networking pre-COVID and in light of the difficulties of actually doing it now where meeting face-to-face is very difficult, could you perhaps walk us through the approaches that you would take in those two scenarios? You know, pre-COVID, um, there are a couple of ways that you can go about networking. And I think one easy way to do it, and I'm speaking from a lawyer's perspective, and so this may be different from um, um, from person to person, but um, at least in law, there are a number of, of different associations that have been developed around particular interests. So um, even when you're in law school, and in some cases in undergrad, um, there are organizations like the Federalist Society or the American Constitution Society or various other societies um, that hold coffees, um, luncheons, um, and, and you know, maybe conferences, things like that, opportunities for members of the association or people who think that they might be interested in joining to come together um, to meet each other and, and to mingle. And, and that's a really easy way to be exposed to kind of a broad array of, of people um, in a very short span of time. Um, I think another way, um, at least in my life, that that has been a great way to to network is to um, think about, um, you know, in the search often for mentors, to think about people whose career trajectories are similar to what you hope your own career trajectory will look like. Um, And so sometimes that means um, having a friend of a friend of a friend who knows that person and reaching out to your friend to go through that chain and meet the person. Sometimes it means... um, cold emailing that person. And, um, you know, you can write a very carefully worded email that kind of explains like, look, 
I really admire what you've done so far in your life. I would love to be able to buy you coffee or buy you lunch and, and learn um, more about what you did and stuff along the way in the hopes of, of replicating that in my life. Um, so I think those were a couple of ways pre-COVID that I, that I would look at, at, at networking, so-called networking. Um, during COVID, obviously, that's, it's a little more restrained because you can't, it's, it's more difficult to, uh, to invite somebody to coffee or to lunch. Um, but I think you can still email. I mean, um, and I don't know about calling. It, it depends on the, the pre, whether you have a pre-existing relationship with somebody. But if you don't, you can still send the same email I just described to you. Um, to somebody that you hope to meet. Um, and in some ways, it's maybe easier to get that person to agree to talk with you because a phone call is much less um, of an intrusion on, on one's personal life and having to drive somewhere for lunch or drive some coffee or take more time out of the workday to meet with you. Um, so I would, you know, I, would, I would use those kinds of pre-COVID ways to network um, and just kind of transpose them into into. However, your given locality is addressing the COVID situation. I, um, so I had a little bit of a break in between my internship when I moved out to DC and then starting my job now. And so I had a lot of time to basically pour everything into this. So I wasn't going to school, was doing it temp, job, temp jobs and um, part-time work. So some things that I did actually was, well, first, you know, narrowing down, what is it that you want to do? And assume that a lot of students kind of have that in mind, or maybe you have a couple of things in mind, and first off, that's okay. <laughs> or if you don't really know, that's also okay. Um, and from there, I basically found a way to bring it up in pretty much every conversation <laughs> with um, a new person I would meet. Um, but it really started with, asking people around me, hey, I'm really interested in consulting. Do you know anybody who would be willing to talk to me about their career in consulting? And I was actually really surprised by how many people were like, actually, yeah, I know someone here. I know someone here. And even just within those conversations, most of the time, without even asking, someone would say, you know, I actually have a friend who's at a different firm. I would love to connect you. But also having the boldness to ask, you know, at the end of the conversation, this has been so helpful. Thank you. Do you have any recommendations for next steps or for somebody else who you think may be beneficial for me to speak with? Um, and so then from there, it just kind of kept trickling. And I would say that, you know, always started with an email, kind of like what Ben said, um, or sometimes sometimes the phone call, but usually it always started with an email and such that I didn't know someone personally, um, just setting a ground of where the relationship came from. Like, you know, this is how I got your email address. <laughs> um, and asking if they'd be willing to have an informational interview um, on the phone for 30 minutes or to meet in person. And some people would, usually it would be just based on that person's schedule. If actually I'm traveling a lot this week, let's talk on the phone. But a lot of people would say, actually, yeah, I'm in town. Why don't you come to the office and we can walk to a coffee shop really close by. Um, and so I was actually just really encouraged that there were so many people who were willing to help. And I'm sure that Stephanie and Ben would actually agree to this also, that um, that is true, I would say, of most people in D.C., 
And I just kind of like to believe that's true of a lot of people that they want to help. Um, but something else that I would do is actually go onto my LinkedIn. And I've been looking at companies that I'm interested in, see, okay, who do I know there? And if I don't know anybody personally, it'll usually tell you, you have a major connection with Sally Jane or whatever. And so email that person who I may have not spoken with since we graduated college saying, hey, I saw that you're connected to Sally who's at this firm. I'm looking into their work. Do you think she'd be willing to meet with me? Um, and so that was another way. And that's something that you can easily, easily translate into the times that we are now, you know, you're probably not going to be able to meet in person, but just being able to figure out how you're connected with different people through resources like LinkedIn, I'd really, really leverage those. And if you've got a, a contact of origin, often they'll do the introduction for you, which takes mm -hmm. some of that awkwardness off the table. Yeah. And someone that vouches for you, right? Of, yeah. This is my friend, Wangani. This is what she's interested in. This is how we know each other. We work together in this. And so usually because, you know, it's coming from a, a voice that they trust. They're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd do anything for my friend Adam, you know, things like that. Stephanie, you mentioned before meeting someone at a coffee shop and that developing into a relationship. Could you tell us a little bit about how you network both incidentally and deliberately? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, more deliberately, I would say when, when I first moved out to DC, um, I was a, an active networker for the similar reason of number one, I had no friends here. So I really wanted to make friends. And um, number two, I was so eager about my career and what I wanted to do and the endless possibilities, but, but really didn't know what it was I wanted to do. Um, and my first advice would be let Baylor help you. <laughs> Um, I very actively plugged into the Baylor Network in D.C. Um, I helped run the intern program before we had this robust, amazing program that you guys are now all um, getting to partake of. And Baylor actually gave me a list of alumni in the area, and I would set them up with interns, but then I would also email them and be like, here's your intern. Also, hi, I'm new here, and I don't know anyone, and your job seems so interesting. <laughs> would you be willing to either chat with me over email or meet me for coffee um, or have a call sometime? And I was amazed at how many people responded yes. It even helped just having a Baylor connection, but that leads to, to um, everyone else's points. You never know who that person knows. He's like, oh my goodness, you should meet so-and-so. I think you guys would to really hit it off and get along. Um, in terms of COVID, obviously that's pretty different, but going back to before, you never really know where situations are going to um, come to fruition later. I actually had a networking call just this week with someone who I've never met. I don't know. Um, but I met her current boss while I was, um, waiting in line for a nationals game. You know, I had, I have nothing in common with this person. I don't know him. He's like in his fifties, but we just got to chatting for quite a while. Um, in this long line, exchange business cards. And randomly he messaged me on LinkedIn last week. He said, I remember you work in politics. Um, a girl who works for me is newer to DC and is extremely interested in getting into politics. Would you, would you chat with her? We had a great conversation. Turns out she wants to work for a California member and one of my very close friends here runs a California office. And so I was able to connect them. So all that being said, it all just sparked from um, not, nothing intentional, just chatting with someone in a line, but you never know how those manifest um, out later. I also got very intentional about 
I, I don't have room to barbecue, nor can I barbecue. <laughs> but I host um, a monthly ladies' wine night, actually, at my apartment. And it started off with some girls who I would see at work events. And I was like, I always really enjoy talking with you, but it's a bummer we never see each other outside of work events or when we're not with our bosses, et cetera. So it started with just a once a month, I'm going to host something at my house. And it became into like, you can bring a friend or you can bring someone else. And now we rotate who hosts it. And it's gone virtual during COVID. So we now do a, a virtual wine night. But it's a great way to also get to know people who you work with on, on a deeper level, which I think then brings, first of all, a lot more joy in my own personal life. But also it makes it easier to connect on other things or other career things, et cetera. Um, and my, I would say also in politics in general, DC is made for networking. Like they make it, you have to actively try to not network here. I feel like there's, there's a lot of receptions, a lot of events, a lot of opportunities to just go and mingle. And usually you already have something in common with the person to Ben's point. There's a lot of associations, et cetera. You already have a common interest or a common state or a common member, um, and I found a lot of those, you, you exchange business cards you don't know. And then, for example, I met a lot of healthcare people at um, Republican Governors Association meeting over the years, and I'm not an expert in healthcare. And I dug through those business cards and called a number of those people in the past three months because my boss needed advice on something or we were interested in a product or, you know, we needed help getting N95 masks. And it was so great that I had these what seemed at the time pointless conversations with these people um, over multiple interactions, because then when there was an instance, when it was then beneficial to both of us, beneficial to them and their company, but very beneficial to me also because my boss needed a resource and needed help. And it helped that we already had this baseline of having met in person, having connected, having talked to then turn to in a job situation um, that was beneficial for everyone. So I think it can manifest itself in different ways. I think too, in some sense, that's what makes networking so intimidating to a lot of students is the event side of things because you're trying to meet a particular person who's surrounded by 50 other people who also want to meet that person. And I think the, the business card is an, is an excellent point, but I also think you need to have one of these, a pen, mm -hmm. everywhere you go because a really good practice was on my cab ride home from one of these events, I would get my pen out and I would make notes about who I spoke to. And it might be that I spoke to, you know, Jane Smith and Jane Smith has three kids, one of which is a violinist. Make, I make a note so that next time I see Jane, even if she doesn't remember me, mm -hmm. I remember something personal about her so that she rem is reminded like, okay, this guy, I've met this guy at some point. This relationship has to now then step up in order to avoid the embarrassment of not knowing who, who you are. But it also personalizes things. You know, it does take a little bit of a little bit of work. How we've talked about reaching out on LinkedIn and trying to initiate those informational interviews. Um, but practically, once we get back to events, it can be very intimidating if you go to one of these events on your own or with only one other colleague to enter into a conversation with a stranger because we don't do a lot of that anymore. So what tips do you have to overcome some of that initial reluctance to, you know, introduce yourself to somebody who you have no pre-existing relationship with. I think my first piece of advice would be do not let one awkward event or bad experience discourage you because 
unlike Ben, I know Ben mentioned he's an introvert. I'm like an extreme extrovert. Like I get happy networking. Like I just want to meet everyone in the room. It like makes me so happy, which I realize is truly not everyone's experience. And even with that outlook, I have had some very awkward networking experiences where I went to an event alone. I was like, this is so terrible. Like I didn't connect with anyone here. Like what am I doing in this corner by myself? And you just, you got to roll with it because some are going to be, some you will have that experience sometimes and it's unfortunate but you learn from it and not the end of the world for all the bad experiences there's many more good ones to come so don't let that intimidate you also i mean i don't really know what this looks like post covid but sometimes you just gotta like put your hand out and introduce yourself and you'll either find a connection or you won't um and i think you'll be surprised at how often you do find a connection whether it's you have the same type of dog or you I don't know, went to the same baseball game. It's, it's, you never really know what it's going to be, but getting the guts up to just, I guess we probably won't shake hands in the future, but whatever that looks like, <laughs> um, try find a connection. I would, so as far as that extrovert, introvert spectrum, I am probably right in the middle on you too. Um, I'm about 60% extroverted, I would say, but I love being alone and kind of having those one or two people like in a party if, or in a gathering, you know, I meet a bunch of people in the first like half hour. I'm like, all right, now I need my people. Um, but I would say, I guess two things kind of came to me. One, have some sort of script or an elevator pitch in mind. That way, when the person you're talking to asks, you uh, well so who you are who who are you or you know what do you do um or even just right away when you're introducing yourself because you also want to be really respectful of their time and so you want to get to why you want to talk to this person and so something i mean pretty short like 15 seconds maybe uh you know what is your name where are you studying if you're a student or maybe if you're an intern or, you know, maybe you're already here working or you just moved in, but yeah, what are you, what are you interested in? Um, so have something in mind and that way you can use that anywhere you go, right? And you're not kind of stumbling over your words. And so that was the first thought I had. But then also just remembering that mostly everybody else there is in the same boat as you are. I think it's really easy to walk into a space and feel like, oh, this is a ginormous friend reunion and everyone has known each other for like decades. But I actually, that's not true. <laughs> and so I think if you just even come in thinking, okay, everybody else is meeting new people, that that kind of lets you, you know, relax your shoulders a little bit and just think, huh, okay, I can do this. Um, but also going off of um, Ben, what you said about always having a pen, so important. I also carry a very small notebook with me in my purse like, almost everywhere I go. Um, and I'm also someone who I know that if I write it down, but I never look at it again, I will definitely remember it. So that's just, I guess, another tip. Yeah, and I just, to add two quick things uh, to what both Stephanie and Warnani said. Um, so one is very practical. Um, I found that lines, um, as Stephanie, Stephanie hinted at, are very great ways to meet people. Um, so like buffet lines or drink lines, um, I have found are 
much better um, uh, ways to strike up the first conversation than just walking into a room and bombing a pre-existing conversation or walking up to a random person who's not talking to anyone. That to me is like, just like cringeworthy. I just, I get like tingles up and down my spine if I have to do something like that. So um, I've always just used lines, um, um, especially long lines as an excuse to kind of strike up a conversation with somebody next to me. Um, so that's very practical. The second thought is um, to piggyback on what, what Nani said, which is, um, you know, the elevator pitch, I think is a great idea. I think um, it, if you've ever taken like a public speaking course, um, there's always that one teacher that, that talks about that, that preaches preparation, that if you're so prepared, um, if you have a mental lapse, um, if you have a brain fart and you can't think of something to say, because you're so prepared, your brain is just going to keep rolling and the words are going to come out of your mouth, even though you don't know that you're supposed to be saying them. So if you know what your standard answer is to uh, what's your name, where are you from, where'd you go to school, what are you interested in, where do you live? Um, those kind of standard introductory questions, um, if you can kind of distill down to 15 to 30 seconds what your ordinary answers are to those kinds of questions, you can, ask, you can ask those questions or you can answer those questions if somebody asks them of you. Um, even if you're still nervous in those in those in the first few seconds of the conversation, and then once you get admitted into the conversation, usually the nerves will wear off, and it's much easier to kind of maintain the conversation. Um, so I would think about all those kind of easy questions to ask or answer early on. The only word of caution I would give you is that um, there are there are definitely people who are too scripted and who come across as um, approaching you just to sell themselves and for any person that can feel kind of off-putting. Um, so it's a very delicate line between being confident in yourself and being prepared and knowing what you want to say, if you have to say it, um, on the one hand, or on the other hand, um, being too confident, too scripted so that the person across from you just feels like you're shoving themselves, uh, yourself onto them. Um, so you want to make sure to kind of being built. Yeah, you want to be, yeah, keep it easygoing. Um, try not to sound like you're reading a script. Um, try to make it as natural as possible so that it feels like a normal conversation, which in the end is what your goal is. To, to piggyback one thing off what Ben said, which was amazing advice, I think also be prepared to ask questions you can ask them. People in DC and people in general love talking about themselves. It's very easy to build a connection if you get them talking first, have ask them a number of questions if they seem comfortable and then it will revert back to you and then it makes it a little bit more natural, I think. And it's so easy to find information out these days. Like if you have a LinkedIn profile, there, there's a resume there that you can make some talking points from very, very easily. Yeah. Um, I have one more point yeah, please, please. on that. Um, is I would think about, I guess, creative ways to ask the same question. As I think, I don't think this is just true about DC. I think this is true about the United States. But a common question when you meet anyone, whether it's a business thing or not, is, oh, what do you do? Um, and we mean, what do you do for work, right? But I, 
have started saying, oh, well, how do you spend your time? And that kind of leaves it open-ended and somebody can either answer with, oh, this is what I do for a profession or these are my hobbies and things that I'm really passionate about. And then that also kind of gives you a little bit of an opening to make that personal connection, kind of what um, Ben was mentioning to earlier, but it also makes you memorable. And that person kind of has to stop a little bit and wonder, oh, that's interesting. Um, and yeah, that it's not necessarily this, oh, they specifically just want to know about what I do for work, but you're also subtly pointing out that there's a lot more to them than what they do for work. I think the last thing just to add to that too is, is the follow through. This is a pointless exercise if you don't follow up. And if, if you, uh, you finish the conversation with let's get coffee sometime, then follow up and, and actually get something on the books because otherwise it will never happen. And, and, and the execution at the back end is just as important. Uh, I want to I turn very quickly to mentors before we jump into some student questions. But what, what's, what's important about finding a mentor and, and how, how does one go about finding one? Stephanie, do you yeah. want to kick us off? Sure. Um, I feel like one of my first mentors I actually found while I was an undergrad at Baylor. Um, I was working in the president's office, and um, through mutual, I had heard through a mutual connection of this woman um, who was working in development at Baylor. So she wasn't another student. She was older than me, and, and she had worked in the White House for George W. Bush, which at when I was an undergrad was like the gold standard of dream job I could ever fathom having for myself. And she, someone was like, you should reach out to her. I think she'd really love to, you know, grab lunch with you or grab coffee. Um, and I did, and we ended up building, it wasn't even just, it never, it didn't feel like a mentor. It felt like a friendship. Like she genuinely became my friend. Um, she was living downtown Waco at the time I would go hang out at her apartment occasionally we'd grab dinner we grab lunch and it just sparked this like really great friendship but with someone who i really looked up to and admired not even just the career path she had made for herself but how she lived her life and she's actually how i ended up getting my first job in dc someone who she had worked with in the white house she had heard through the grapevine was hiring at the rnc which is how i ended up getting this random job that they hadn't even posted it was just like you'll find out a lot in dc it's not even just jobs being posted it's people asking around, do you know someone who's looking for a job? And then interviews happen that way. And it was all from this random connection of just someone I had looked up to from the out, from the outside for very superficial reasons, totally just because of where she'd worked. And, um, but then I got to know her and developed this deep connection. And um, I still see her. She doesn't live in DC. She lived in DC for a while, doesn't anymore. I still see her when she comes out, we grab lunch, grab coffee, catch up. She's someone I know I can reach out to for career advice. Actually, when I was torn between coming into the governor's office or another option, she was one of the first people I called to just say, what do you think I should do? Should I go this route? Should I go this route? Can you just talk me through the pros and cons? Because she'd experienced it before, been there before. And it's, it's hard to explain how invaluable that is when you're in the moment and you just don't know what to do, to even have someone who you look up to and admire and respect to talk it out with. Yeah, and I would say, um, you know, for me, I think there are a couple, two slightly different kinds of mentors in my life that have been extremely instrumental. One is kind of a life mentor, and the other is, is more of a career mentor. Um, so on the life mentor side, I, um, like Stephanie, my, my first um, big mentor in life uh, was my honors thesis advisor, 
um, the former dean of the Honors College, uh, Tom Hibbs, who agreed to to um, supervise my honors thesis. And um, I went to him just because I knew that we had common interests on uh, philosophy and I was writing a thesis on a movie and he, he does similar uh, writing and um, I thought we'd be a good match. And so that was really the only reason I reached out to him. Um, but um, as we worked together, um, he became extremely invested in my work and my, um, my life and career goals. Um, so much so that about three years after I graduated from Baylor, um, I, I sent him an email because I wanted to apply to work for Justice Willett on the Texas Supreme Court, and I didn't have any connections to Justice Willett, but I had seen that Dean Hibbs um, served on um, the same board as Justice Willett at Baylor. Um, Google can tell you really great things, and that's how I discovered that connection. And so I emailed him and I was like, look, Dean, I, I would love to work for him. Can you just give me any advice on how I should approach this? Um, and he ended up, instead of responding to me, he forwarded my email to Justice Willett, uh, typos and all. And um, that's how I got my very first job right out of law school, um, was that connection and that kind of mentor figure in my life. Um, so I owe Dean Hibbs quite a bit of, of, uh, of gratitude for, for making that happen. On the career mentor side of things, I, I'm a huge proponent of seeking out people who have done what you want to do. Um, and I, when I was in law school at LSU, I had followed the story of an LSU law grad um, who had become the first Supreme Court law clerk in the law center's history. And um, she uh, just just shattered the charts in every in every category. And I knew she was working in Houston the same time at the same time that I would be doing a summer job in Houston. And so I emailed her and I said, introduced myself and said, "Look, I." I can't claim to be as great as you were, um, but I would love to buy you coffee and talk about um, how you thought about all of the different um, uh, uh, points in life and the decision points that you that you uh, approached during your law center career, during your clerkships. She graciously um, agreed to have coffee with me. We had like five or six coffees over that summer um, because I was in the process of applying to uh, another judge, a judge that she had clerked for. And at the end of the summer, I, I sent her an email and said, thank you so much for, for all of our meetings. Um, I, I uh, applied to the judge. I couldn't have done this without you. I just want to say thank you so much for all your time. Um, and she responded. She was like, oh, I'm having lunch with the judge tomorrow. I'll, I'll let her know you applied. And lo and behold, I get a call from Chambers um, after lunch the next day asking me to come in for an interview. Um, and that was just kind of a, a glaring snapshot of how much of an impact a mentor figure like that can have in your life. So I would say, you know, think about mentorship in those terms. Think about uh, mentors in life who can talk to you about um, general life advice, how you would go throughout life, not necessarily tied to your career, but also think about people who have done what you want to do um, and who might be able to give you good thoughts about how to approach each decision point that you know is coming up in your career. I would say, um, so similar to Ben, I have mentors in kind of both categories of career and life. Some of them actually kind of straddle that line. Um, but I think it's so key that the person who, that you're looking up to is also someone that you respect their 
in office life and they're out of office life, which both Stephanie and Ben have already said. And something that was just top of mind for me was wanting to, I guess, not only was I looking at different people who were already mentors in my life um, as far as, okay, what are they going to work? Like kind of how did they get here and had already, I guess, assessed their work ethic. But I was also just thinking of how they, I guess, attempt to make that balance or integration in their work and their life. And um, it just knowing my own tendencies, I think I can tend to overwork or to kind of only put all of my energy in the work. And fortunately, um, the mentors that I do have were really honest about times that they burnt out or times that relationships were broken um, and needed to be um, mended um, because they kind of put all of their energy on work and just how that was also type of mind for them. And so I, it was just the first time that I saw I guess this balance or um, attempt to balance um, not just work, but also life, right? And their relationships and their well being. Um, so that was one thing. And I think that sometimes people think, oh, when I have to get a, when I'm getting a mentor, I need to make it really explicit that I want them to be my mentor. <laughs> um, and that, that can be, that can be really nerve wracking if you're the person who's about to ask, hey, do you want to be my mentor? And I know people who've done that and it's worked out great. So I'm not saying that that's not a route that you should take, but know that you don't have to take that route. Um, for all of my mentors, actually, it was just, for some of them, I um, like babysat their kids and they work full-time. Their husbands also work full-time. And I really loved just the way that they led their office and their team and also led their team at home. Um, and so then it was just kind of the time that I spent with them, even if it was only like 20 minutes when they got home before I left, just asking questions um, and asking about, oh, well, like, how did you handle that? Or, you know, and that's also different because you have a closer, I guess, personal relationship with that person. Um, but other times, I just think about the mentors I've had since being in DC. So only three years of asking, would you want to get coffee sometime? And then just continuing to ask. So sometimes it was once a month. Sometimes it was like every two or three weeks, you know, but never having this idea of, oh, they have X, Y, and Z going on. They probably don't have any time. So I'm just not even going to ask because I think that's actually where um, people really shoot themselves in the foot. Um, and just remembering that it's, you can only control the input. And so as long as you're asking, it's up to them. And it's, um, so it's up to them to say yes or no. Um, so a lot of times it was just remembering, okay, well, I'm the one who is really seeking out this, this relationship. So I am going to be the one that I guess continues with that follow up. Um, and I guess one more thing, kind of similar to what Stephanie said about just how it felt like a friendship and the mentors that I've had the longest are ones that I felt like we were always having a two-way conversation. Uh, ben Mongani, if you've, if you've got the time, we might just turn to a couple of quick questions from, from students. Um, one question was, do I need to network with the person at the top of the tree 
or if should I focus on more easy, uh, easily established networking connections? So, for example, if I wanted to work at Deloitte and I want to build a network at Deloitte, do I have to go and find, you know, the director of finance or can I go and build some networks with people that are at more at my level that I have easier access to? I would say why not try both, but I would definitely, um, I guess kind of pick that low hanging fruit, right? So if it's your, a friend of yours who maybe is only like a year older, um, who's at the firm, definitely talk to them, um, especially because they're going to give you the most, um, I guess the most accurate view of where you would be coming in at. Um, whereas I guess sometimes the higher the person you talk to, they're, they can be a little bit removed from an entry-level position. Um, and so it's just not that there's anything wrong with that, but sometimes it's just more helpful to talk to someone who's a little more close to where you would be if you were to enter the firm at that time. Um, but I would also say that when it comes to, I guess, you know, a place like Deloitte, that any referral is going to be super helpful, right? Anybody that says, hey, so-and-so is looking for a job. And so sometimes that's going to come from, you know, your pair, your, your more peers, because they maybe will then mention to their manager, hey, a friend of mine who is still in college is really looking to get into consulting. I told them a little bit about how I've enjoyed working with you and learning from you. Would you be willing to sit with them? And so right there is you only had one conversation, but that person had another conversation that then you are talking to someone who's a lot higher up the chain. Um, and so I would say that I guess don't negate the importance of talking to people who aren't as high up. And I think that that's also just a good mindset to have wherever you work to just remember that no matter what area or what level someone is, that they still hold a lot of significance. Um, and so just to be willing to um, develop a relationship with whomever on any that, level. That person won't be at that level either forever. And so th right. that, that might be a, a relationship that you pursue for 10 years, but in 10 years time, that person is no longer a junior associate. They're a lot further up that, that, that food chain. Um, I, have a, I have a question, Ben, if I might throw this one your way. Um, this student says, I'm from Texas, but I really want to build a network in the Northeast, specifically Washington and New York, but I have no connections there. I'd like to live and practice law there. How should I go about building a network when I'm based in Texas? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, thankfully, there are a couple of easy answers. Um, one of them, um, Stephanie touched on earlier uh, in the chat, which was, um, there are a number of Baylor networks that already exist um, into which you can tap um, and, and create that kind of network. So, um, you know, Baylor has alumni association, um, Baylor in DC uh, has its own kind of alumni list, as I understand it. I'm sure there's something similar in the New York area. Um, and so one way you can go about that is to, to talk to um, folks at Baylor about how to get access to, um, to lists like that. So maybe talking to somebody like you, Ben, or reaching out to somebody like Stephanie or me or 
or Molly or Nate, anybody in the, in the Baylor and DC program for DC specifically, um, and asking um, how you can plug into those kinds of networks. Um, so I think there's like a Facebook, I'm not on Facebook, but I think there's a Facebook page for um, the Baylor and DC folks. And that's a great way to kind of connect virtually, even though you're still in Texas, to connect virtually with, um, with the Baylor folks here in DC. Um, and that's just Baylor folks, right? So once you connect with them, um, inevitably, those Baylor connections can introduce you to folks outside the Baylor network. And then from there, um, your connections just blossom. Um, the other way I would say to go about that question is to, um, I mean, Google is really your friend in this kind of situation. So, um, you know, Google, Baylor, and law and DC, or Baylor, law in New York, and see what kind of um, responses you get. So, in the legal field, um, almost every law firm, certainly the, the international law firms, have online biographies of every one of their attorneys. Um, and so it's fairly easy to put the right search words in to get back um, um, results that are tailored to what you're looking for. A lot of law firms' websites even have in the search bars um, ways that you can refine the search to search by law school or undergraduate school. Um, so you can see which attorneys have gone to Baylor or have gone to other Texas schools or, or anything like that. Um, so I would say don't be shy about um, reaching out on uh, social media or through other alumni channels and then also doing your own independent Google research to kind of see who's there in DC or New York doing what I want to do um, and what ways can I, can I contact those folks. And I think too, there is really no difference right now with COVID between someone living in Washington, D.C. and someone living in Waco, Texas, because those in-person meetings aren't happening. So you're, as, you're on as equal a footing as you could possibly be in terms of access to these people right now. So, I mean, you're right. LinkedIn and Google are incredibly powerful tools. Uh, I do want to be respectful of your time. So as we draw to a close, I was hoping that perhaps you could each share with us three little pieces of wisdom uh, that some that students can take away as they look to apply what we've talked about today in their own lives and to start building their own professional networks. Yeah, I can, uh, I can, I can take that. Thanks so much again for, for having us. I really enjoyed the chat. Um, if I just distill everything we talked about down to three nuggets, I mean, one is I think, um, look, networking's tough. Um, so I think the first nugget is, is um, learn to be confident in yourself and um, to be tough enough to put yourself, in, to put yourself out there um, in situations that maybe like me, you wouldn't normally put yourself in um, and see what the results are. Right? And so a lot of that comes with preparation and, um, and thinking seriously about what your interests are and who you want to meet. Uh, so be confident in yourself. Um, the second is... Um, to um, be intentional about um, the kinds of relationships you want to build. I think a lot of people go into networking um, with a very broad net and just want to meet people for the sake of meeting people. And so they're wandering aimlessly about without any direction in life. Um, I would say be intentional about um, who you want to meet. What, what, um, what is it about those particular individuals that makes them um, unique to you and, and makes you respect them. I think Warnani had a very good point about respecting the people that you want to be your mentors. 
Um, who do you look up to and why do you look up to them? Um, be intentional about seeking out those figures and knowing why you're seeking them out. And then the third thing is, um, I would say in all of this, just have fun. Um, life, life is short. Um, careers are probably even shorter. Um, and I think uh, it's, it's really helpful to remember that at the end of the day, a job and a career is just a means of um, trying to build the best life you can for yourself, your family, um, and trying to be the best citizen and friend you can to people around you. And so networking is just one small part of that whole process. And, um, you know, the, 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 the nervous aspects, the potentially nervous aspects of networking shouldn't detract from the fun and the joy that you can get out of the whole um, networking process. Um, so those are the three things I would just say. Thank you, Ben. Wangani, one, one what, what would be your three points? Yeah, um, I think first, follow through and follow up. So, um, Ben, I guess you introduced this a little while ago, but just when you, when you do, are connected with someone or you do get that business card or whatever it may be, it's all through. And I was always given the guidance that within two days, send some sort of note. Um, so send an email, make that, make that connection. Um, and as far as following up that, whether it's, someone that you're hoping will mentor you, then just continue to send out the invitation of, would you like to get coffee this Thursday? Maybe a month later. Would you like to get coffee this Wednesday? Um, but also that I think a personalized thank you just goes so far. And something that I did when I was networking, um, specifically trying to find a job that for every phone call, for every coffee that I sent a handwritten note afterwards um, and telling them, thank you. And I know that, especially like now, it's probably hard to send a handwritten note and, you know, I, I could just send it to their office and I know that they would get it. <laughs> Whereas now that may not be the case, but, um, you know, maybe if it's a, a connection that you made there, like a personal friend, they may have their address, but it, like, if not, then email also is a wonderful way just to put it in writing that you really appreciate the time that somebody else took um, just to meet with you. And so I'd say that's my first thing. And um, I guess the second one I was thinking about kind of goes off of what Ben just said about having fun. And I would say that, but to start now developing a life that is run by rhythms instead of regimens. And I think that when you're going, I guess, with the rhythm, that it's not necessarily, oh, something else comes up and you're reacting to it. There's definitely an intentional and a proactive way that you're still living life. But similar in music, that a rhythm is made from periodic times of stress right? But there's creativity and there's flow to it and there's structure. But with regimens, there's rigidity. There's um, actually one of the synonyms is um, oppression with the regimens. There's, there's just no way to flex. And I think especially when you don't know what life is going to have, like a pandemic, that we have to flex. Um, but also in this time, thinking about 
muscles that you've already developed. And so that discipline that you, you know, developed from school or different, um, different internships, you know, thinking about those skills and tapping into those skills, but I guess almost like being willing to do all that you can, but then presenting it with an open hand, you know, and that way, at least like your fingers aren't being pried open when things don't go exactly how you had planned. Um, yeah, just because that's, that's not life. Um, and I would say, and this is also coming from someone who kind of like changed their majors three times. And now I work in business management consulting, though I study nutrition and exercise science. That <laughs> um, it's taken a lot of terms, but it's wonderful. And yeah, so I say follow through and follow up and um, learn how to live a life that is built on rhythm. And I guess even kind of digging back off of that is, as Ben had just mentioned that this is not the end all be all, right? And this is um, like your work is hopefully um, not going to be up until the end of your life. Um, but also shouldn't take up all of your life while you're living it, right? And so I think even now to start thinking about, okay, what are some, what are pieces of my life that I really want to prioritize Prioritize, um, and thinking about what you're really valuing now and are you pouring into those things now? Because it's significantly easier to then carry that out in your career than, you know, say you are 50 or you're 40 and work has been basically your your idol, you know, since you're 18 and you left school. And I talk to colleagues all the time of um, how it's it's hard to switch that off and that they'll give me advice of like, think, think about it now. Like, do you want to prioritize your friendships and your time with your family or your hobbies? Then know when to shut it off. Know when to... Um, come offline because there's always work to be done, right? Um, and obviously, you have to be mindful and be wise about that, depending on deadlines and whatnot. And there's definitely seasons where work takes priority than my personal life. But um, yeah, to just start thinking about those things now and thinking about how now you can, I guess, start tapping into those things. Um, yeah, that's what I say. Wonderful. Well, well, Ben and Wangani, this has been really, really helpful and insightful. And I know our students will be grateful for the wisdom that you've shared. So thank you so much for making the time to, to join us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Chief Justice, may please report. This case concerns itself with the conviction of...